yesterday from Romans 1 verse 11. And it says, uh, Paul said in that verse, he said, For I long to see you that I might impart some spiritual gift to the end you might be established. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said that this morning would be a time to establish some things. Amen. So we're just going to believe God for that. We believe we receive that, Father. And we don't know all that means, but we know part of what it means. Amen. Glory to God that things would be established. Hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Some of it has to do with the things we're teaching on concerning believers' authority, that things would be established in our life because we take that stand. We take that stand in our believers' authority. You know, I was just drawn to you, John, before during the service. I just felt like the, the Holy Spirit wanted to do some things, wanted to establish some things in your life. And, Father, we just put a... I just pray a blessing on John in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father God, for him to be strengthened with might by your spirit in the inner man, and he would be established, a man established in faith in Jesus' name, established in righteousness. And I thank you, Father God, for the, the promotion and the influence that you are giving him for the kingdom in, uh, in areas where most of us don't touch and most of us don't reach in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father, that would be established, that promotion and that influence in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I, I tell you, you know, just I'm going to wade over here. <clears throat> I'm going to wade out here. John Osteen said he used to, he would just go follow the divine flow of love. He would just follow wherever love was going. Hallelujah. Sheila, let me speak to you. Praise God. I thank you, Father, for an establishing in Sheila's life. Life. I thank you, Father God, for a changing, for a turning. I thank you, Father God, for things that have been hard, Lord God, that you will turn them and change them. And I thank you, Father God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. A strengthening. Thank you, Father, for light, a new light, a new revelation, a new strength, a new glory, a new joy in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God, for being raised up to a higher level in Christ, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Praise God. Y'all don't mind if I follow the Holy Spirit. The reason I had to pause a while ago is because when the Lord told me this, he told me to pray for Jennifer. And she left the room, and so I was like, okay, Lord, now i got to get my footing here again. Hallelujah. So I'm going to pray for you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for an establishing, an establishing in Jesus' name. Thank you for a strength. Strengthen her with might by your spirit and the inner man. And I thank you for a new level of revelation. Uh, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. New, I just nearly feel like there's, an, a, there's a new direction, but I think it's more like an adjustment. But I, it's, oh, hallelujah. It's quite an adjustment in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father God. Things in her heart settled and established. And the, uh, a new resolve, a new strength in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just speak over Danielle. I thank you for a strengthening and establishing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I thank you for a new freedom, a new life, a new light in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Oh, you make all things new. All things 
well. All It is well. It is well with this family. It is well in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's just see. Praise God. Because this is a morning for some things to be established. Hallelujah. And that's not all. That it, it doesn't take me praying for it to happen either. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, let's get started this morning. We'll just be free in the Holy Ghost to do whatever else. I've been talking, uh, this is my third week, to talk about believer's authority. Believer's authority. And uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to review just a second this morning. I want to get into some new things, some things the Holy Spirit really wants to cover this morning. And it's so important, I believe, for the last days. We're in the last days, but there's different things. Last days are different. And uh, it's important for us to to be established, to be to understand our believer's authority, and to be established in the uh, the authority we have as a believer. To be established in who we are in Christ, and so it's important for the last days because anytime God does something, there's always what I call overlap. And in other words. Um, you know, in 1948, a healing revival came in. And so it wasn't just like, okay, August 1st, 1948, healing revival starts. No, there was an overflap. There's always, how many of you know when it rains in the natural, usually it'll sprinkle first. It's very rare that it just all of a sudden the sky opens and whoo, you know. But usually I know I'd be sitting in my swing and I'll usually have time to at least run. You know, because I'll begin to feel a drop or two. You know what I'm saying? That's the overlap. That's the overlap. How many of you know when it doesn't, it rarely just shuts off. Like it can be raining and it's just like, no, usually it'll slow down, won't it? It'll start slowing down and then it'll, and then finally it'll be just kind of sprinkling and then it'll be over, won't it? And so, except it seems like it's doing that a lot lately, isn't it? Amen. Praise God. Uh, but anyway, in the spiritual things, there's overlap. And so we're coming into a time where this is going to be the church age is going to be over. We've been studying that in Revelation, that the church age is going to be over. There's going to be the last day of the church age, the first day of the tribulation. And tribulation is a time of judgment. It's a time of judgment uh, mainly designed to bring the Jews back in to, to cause the Jews to finally believe that Jesus is Messiah. But of course all people that have rejected Jesus, it's going to be judgment for them too. And so there's overlap. And even the things that the devil, even the evil from the, from the tribulation that will be in the tribulation that the devil instigates through the Antichrist, there's overlap in that, we know even John said, uh, I, it's, I think it's in uh, one of the little Johns, I'm not positive about that, but he even says, he says there's already, even in his day, there's already antichrists that have gone out into the world. And we know that spirit, we see the spirit of antichrist operating. We saw, and you know the devil, he's, he doesn't know the times and seasons. He reads the Bible and he finds out there's going to be a Messiah. And so for several thousand years before Messiah came, he was killing baby boys thinking this might be the one. And the same thing with the Antichrist. He's, somebody said it this way, he's always had somebody that he's grooming to be the Antichrist because he didn't know when it, he didn't know when it was going to happen. And, 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 he, and think of the 
Think of the evil things, that the evil rulers that we've had in Europe. Think of Benito Mussolini and, and Adolf Hitler and the people that Satan has groomed to be the Antichrist thinking this might be the time, this might be the time. And so they had that spirit of Antichrist on them. They were groomed by the devil, but they weren't the one. And hallelujah. And you know, so uh, <clears throat> he doesn't always understand. You know, we the things that we've been studying in Revelation, you have to have revelation to understand them. I mean, you know, the ten horns and stuff like that. And I think the devil doesn't have any revelation. And he reads it and he don't understand it. So he coaches the church when they're teaching about it so he can try. He does. He shows up and listens so he can try to figure out, you know, something's going to happen, what's going to happen on some of these things. But so he doesn't know these things. And so he's already sent the spirit of Antichrist out into the world. And so we see lots and lots and lots of bad things happening. And there's that overlap of what the tribulation will be right. We're living in that day of the overlap. And so we're seeing some things that look like uh, tribulation. <clears throat> we're also seeing some things that look like uh, a millennial reign. We're seeing some of the overlap of the millennium already. You know, I believe, and I know this has happened, we're already praying out some millennial things because we pray out in advance. We pray, our, we pray the plan. We're not now, we believe in this church not, not being a fire-putting-out Christian. And, you know, we put out fires when we have to, but you can resolve a lot of things if you'll pray it out in advance. If you'll get out there ahead of the situation in your prayers instead of just running around with your prayers putting out the fire of the day. Hallelujah. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so we're out there in advance. We're praying out the vision in advance. But we're also praying out millennial things in advance. And there's things being done that have to do with the millennium. Pastor was telling me this morning that in this morning's paper, it was talking about all the churches in Tuscaloosa that are in a building program. Fourteen churches in Tuscaloosa are in a major building program. And that's not counting the ones like Northport Baptist and some of those that have already just finished building. And God, so people are getting ready for something, sometimes even when they don't even know what and one of the things we're getting ready for is end time harvest but another thing we're getting ready for is millennial right some of those churches are being built for the millennium there are going to be plenty of people in churches in the millennium all Christians will go to church in the millennium they're not all going now, but they will How in the millennium. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we have overlap. Things that are happening in the overlap. And we have to be aware of that. And so it's important that we understand our believer authority because there's some negative things out there happening. And they're happening because of the overlap of the tribulation. It's How many of you realize y'all are kind of looking at me like a dog with a new pan this morning? But how many of you realize it's not like it was in, 19, in the 1950s? We don't live in Leave It to Beaver days. We don't live in um, Father Knows Best. That was my favorite one. Father Knows Best days. We don't live in those days. It's not the same. How many of you know June Cleaver died? I mean, I don't know if she died, but that person, that that that, that woman don't exist anymore. Hallelujah. Okay, y'all are y'all are not funny this morning. Come on, laugh. 
Amen. Praise God. So we have authority. Genesis 1, 26, God said, Let us make man in our image. Let them have dominion. I'm just reviewing now. Luke 10, 19, he said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And we know, we've been talking about how authority releases the power. If you want to know how to get the power of God flowing in your life, in your body, in your uh, finances, in your um, relationships, authority releases the power of God. That's what the key is. That's the key. I looked for the key for years. It's like sometimes we would have a manifestation of the power of God in our lives, but we didn't know how we got it. Because we didn't know it was authority that was releasing that power. In Matthew 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now we know this was after he was resurrected. And he said, in the very next verse, he said, Go ye therefore. Or, we could, or he could have said it this way, All power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, you go. Therefore, that means in that, that authority that he got, all power in heaven and in earth, therefore here, take my authority and you go. That's one of the things he left us when he ascended is he left us his authority. Romans 5.17 in the Amplified says, For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one man Jesus Christ the Messiah the anointed one you need to see yourself as a reigning ruling king in life not that we not not that we um uh uh, are obnoxious to people because that's not what I'm talking about get me this go get me that woman you know that doesn't work very well that might have worked in the 50s but woman don't work very well in at our house Hallelujah. Pastor knows better. But Eric used to say it every once in a while when he was a little woman. <laughs> and I was like, kid, you better watch it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, but woman doesn't work very good anymore, does it? Hallelujah. Even sweetie, could you get me a glass of tea doesn't work very good anymore, does it? I mean, it's kind of like every man for himself at our house. You know, <laughs> praise God. No, I, I try to take care of Pastor, and he takes care of me. <clears throat> anyway. But my point is, we're not there to, I'm not talking about you being an obnoxious person and being rude to people. Waiter, 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 you know, we're not talking about that. We're talking about you having an attitude about yourself that I'm going to make it. I, uh, hallelujah, I'm a king's kid. I, I have dominion, I'm not being afraid of the devil. I have dominion, not, you know, not panicking when something attacks your family, when something attacks your body. Hallelujah, because you have a reigning mentality. I'm ruling and reigning. I'm, I'm a king's kid. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's going to work out for me. I'm going to make it. God's going to, God's going to change this for me. He's going to use my prayers and what I say, and He's going to change this situation. Folks, the, this is a war. Don't get under condemnation because the devil attacked you. We are in war. He is, he, he is just scattershotting. And you know, sometimes something might hit you. But I tell you what, you need to keep your reigning and your ruling mentality and I'll come out on top. 
Amen. I'll not be defeated. God, God will work this out. Hallelujah. God loves me. And we have that reigning and ruling uh, attitude inside our hearts. And we're established in that. We, you know, it's not, it's not as good to get hit by a stray devil bullet and, you know, and, and have a little collapse for three or four days and then finally get up and start ruling and reigning. That's not established. And we got to get past that where we're just, we're fine. We're, uh, we're fine. I'm coming through. Get out of my way. Hallelujah. Amen. That's when you're established. Amen. Glory to God. So turn to Mark 11:22 with me. And we'll pick up on some things we didn't cover last week. Praise God. Mark 11:22. Thank you, Jesus. Mark 11:22. In Mark eleven twenty two, he says, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. And we have that at the new birth. Now, these guys didn't. He's talking to his apostles. They didn't. They weren't born again. But when you were born again, you received the faith of God. It was a free gift. Remember, Ephesians says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not even of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And so we have a gift of God inside of us called faith. The fruit of the Spirit, you have the fruit of the Spirit dwelling on the inside of you. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you when you're born again. So we don't have to work up love. We got it living on the inside of us. We don't have to work up faith. We got it living on the inside of us. Now faith is activated by the Word of God. That word in the Romans... If what Romans what? Help me. Five? Romans. Well, y'all know. Faith cometh by hearing. Wherever. Where's that? Huh? 10.17. Romans 10.17. Faith cometh by hearing. That word cometh is in italics. And it, it should have better been translated faith is activated or faith arises by hearing. You know, we, if we don't hear the word, it, our faith's not going to rise up. Amen? So we have to hear the word. Mark eleven twenty two, three says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, and he shall have whatsoever he saith. He said that whosoever, could first of all, whosoever, and shall say, if you're not a mountain talker, then you're not even walking like a Christian. You're not even living in your believer's authority. If you're not talking to every mountain, every circumstance, every situation that raises its ugly head up against you and, and, and tries to stop you. Amen. So you have to be a mountain talker. You have to, he said, if you'll say to the mountain, or since we've been studying believers' authority, we know that another way to say that is command the mountain. We command the mountain. Now, uh, the mountain is the obstacle. Any obstacle that is in front of you. In the Greek, I looked it up in the Greek, it says it, to rise or rear. It's anything that raises its ugly head up against you to stop you in your walk of faith in the mission and the destiny that God has called for you or that tries to rise up its ugly head and stop you from having the redemption things, the things in redemption that Jesus bought, the things that Jesus bought and paid for in redemption. So the mountain is sickness because sickness is trying to raise its head up and say, and say you're not healed. 
but we know Jesus bought and paid for healing. The, the, any, anything that's the mountain, we have a right to talk to, and we must talk to it. Uh, and then he said there that there's some, he gave us some keys for speaking to the mountain. He said, uh, shall not doubt in his heart. Well, I want you to notice, we have, um, we, our heart, the heart, I don't want to get into this this morning, but the heart, you have a heart, your spirit man has a heart. You remember he said one place in the Bible, Paul said, it's the hidden man of the heart that he needs talking about your spirit. And so in your spirit, uh, we were told in Ephesians that when you're born again, you got sealed by the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you something, because you were sealed by the Holy Spirit, you cannot doubt in your heart. You have the faith of God in your heart and you cannot doubt in your heart. However, your head can give you a fit. But he didn't say, shall not doubt in his head there. He said, shall not doubt in his heart. Of course, we know that we need to get our head in agreement and the things of God work better when the soul is flowing with the things of God. But I will tell you this, you can have faith in your heart and have doubt in your head. And still get healed because you've got faith in your heart. As long as you don't talk about what's in your head, the thoughts that are coming to your head. When you, you know, he told us in another place, I don't have time to look up all these scriptures, but and they're just coming to me right now. But he said, take no thought saying. Don't take the thought and say it. You, you know, you may have a thought of, I'm not healed. I feel so lousy, I couldn't be healed. But don't take that thought and don't say it because if you don't doubt in your heart, amen, you're still okay. If you don't doubt in your heart, you're still okay. Even though your head may be... And you know, the devil will scream at your head. He will, he will talk to you uh, when you're believing God. So you have to learn to ignore your head. You have to learn to refuse the thoughts. You know, sometimes you have to say, I don't take that thought. That's not mine. It's not coming from me. See, a lot of the thoughts we have, a lot of people think they're depressed and the devil's just giving them a depressing thought. And they ain't depressed. They're not. They just are buying into what the devil's trying to tell them. Amen? Amen. Okay. <clears throat> and, and then he says, shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. So you have to believe the things you say. Now that is a step above believing the things God says. A lot of times it's real easy to believe the things God says, but harder to believe what I say. Because see, I know me and you know you. But I have to develop a trust in my authority, first of all, as a believer, who I am in Christ, and I have to develop a trust in what I say. And one of the things that, we, that you do to help this is, first of all, if you don't ever lie. See, if you lie and you know you lie, and everybody that lies knows they lie until they become such a liar that they no longer know they lie, I mean, you don't accidentally start out lying. But people have built such deception around themselves that they can become where they don't know the truth from a lie. Well, that person will never speak to a mountain and it obey them. 
because they don't know if they're up or down or in or out, and they don't know, you know, they don't know anything. So we don't ever lie, because why? We're guarding something. I mean, besides it being one of the Ten Commandments, hallelujah, besides it not pleasing God, but there's a real good reason not to lie, because it hurts my faith when I lie. It hurts me being able to speak and me believe what I say. I need to be able to believe what I say. I need to know I'm an honest person. I need to know that what I say and another thing we don't need to do is exaggerate. If we're an exaggerator, and everybody does that sometimes, but we get on to each other at our house. You know, I'll say, well, you know, there's just a million flies in this house. You know, well, there was three. And, it, you know, but, there, but, you know, that's exaggerating. And that, that over a period of time, if I'm constantly exaggerating everything, First of all, I'm saying, you know, if I don't get, if I'm not dramatic, Pastor, or my husband's not going to believe me, I have to be dramatic to get his attention. Because I'm wanting him to do something about the flies. I don't want to swat the flies. I want him to swat the flies. You know, so I'm being real dramatic. Amen. Being a drama queen. Hallelujah. Anyway, but I'm, I'm hurting my faith because I'm hurting my, I don't believe there's a million flies in my house. I don't know why I said that. I don't have flies. No, I'm just kidding. Have authority over flies. Try not to have many of them. But anyway, I don't know, you know, I'm hurting my credibility with myself. So therefore, when I say to the mountain, and I'm not doubting in my heart, I need to be able to believe what I say. It's not enough for me to just believe the Word of God when it comes to this believer's authority. Now, it's a step to believe the Word of God. It helps to believe the Word of God. But a lot of people believe, yeah, I believe the Word. I believe it's true. And they couldn't, they don't have enough power to blow their nose. But they believe the Word's true. That's not enough. It's not even enough to believe the prophets, although we ought to believe the prophets. And man, I tell you, we can go faster if we hook up to the things that are spoken over us and that God uses. But that's not enough. You can't let the preacher do your saying. You've got to believe what you say. And so that's important where our believer's authority is concerned. Uh, believe what you say. And then he goes on to say, He shall have whatsoever he saith. And so we know that, um, and shall is, uh, that word shall is the, it, it's the, uh, you, you know how uh, it says in the next verse, it says, and when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have them. That means, that tells us right there that the manifestations of God are not always going to be instant. You, you believe you, now you believe you have it right now when you pray, but there's a bridge and it's called shall, that you have to walk over in faith until you get the have. You believe you have them over here because in in, it really, it's really because we have those two realms. We have the natural realm. We have the spirit realm. And God, has, God does not withhold and he's given it to us. We have it and he wants us to believe him, believe we have it. But there's the shall and we have to walk by faith over the bridge of shall. We walk by faith in that bridge. We walk by faith and we not walk not by sight on that bridge, the bridge of shall. I believe that I receive it. I have it and I shall see it. I shall see the manifestation of it when I, uh, after I walk by faith. Hallelujah. Sometimes the faith bridge is long and sometimes it's very short. Mark 16, turn there with me. Thank you, Jesus. Your authority, you have authority. 
Now, until we get good at this, we need to, we need to hear about this. And I want to be good at this. And I've had lots of practice here lately in taking authority and speaking to the mountains. Hallelujah. There's been a lot of, you know, you have seasons of mountains. You'll have seasons of adversity. You'll have seasons when, when it just seems like the devil's throwing everything at you, including the kitchen sink. You know? And it's like, and you'll have seasons like that. But we should be established in those seasons and hallelujah, praise God. It should hardly phase us. We just keep on walking. Then you'll have seasons of rest. You'll have seasons where, you know, you're not, you're not under attack. Praise God. Hallelujah. But that's not the time to just say, oh man, I got there, I arrived, I'll never have another problem. Because you'll be disappointed. You'll be, see the devil's out there. And hallelujah. But he's no problem if we know our authority. Mark 16, verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues, and they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And we see Jesus telling us how to use our authority. And that word, these signs shall follow them that believe. That word believe there means constantly believing. Those that are constantly believing shall do these things. In my name shall they cast out devils. We have authority over devils. Then he said uh, they will speak with new tongues. That, that's the easier part for us. They take up serpents. That word there, take up, in the Amplified says they will drive out serpents. The Greek says to, means, the, the word take up means to raise the voice. We raise our voice up. In other words, we take authority over serpents. It also means to put away. We put them away. It doesn't mean that we pick them up and play with them in church. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, when we first moved to Tuscaloosa, we was going to start a church. Well, we'd already started church on in Tuscaloosa uh, at the marketplace. I mean, we'd, our, that was our first location over there on Hargrove Road. And then we were going to move to 65th Street cause, and move into a strip thing, office, whatever, that they was, it was built to suit. They would build it to suit us. And Bill Lunsford, he owned it. And we were renting it from him. And so we were going down to sign the papers. We had already rented it. And I was thinking about, we were thinking, and they were in constructing it for us to suit our wishes. And he did not really know us. And we're not from around here. And, you know, and, you know, Sometimes that scares people if you're not from there. And uh, so we were thinking about the music and the sound and the stage and all that. And so I, we were sitting at, in front of his desk and I said to Pastor, I said, don't forget to ask him about the snake. And I was talking about the, the big wire. Cause, and the question was, we wanted to know if he would have his people put it in the ceiling the, you know, the snake that connects the sound to the sound. And he, he did not say anything, but later he told one of our members he was freaking out. He freaked out. He was like, who did I rent this building to? And are they snake handlers? And, uh, <clears throat> but he later found out we were talking about the snake. You know. So if we ever talk about the snake here, we're not talking about the snake we keep in the back. We're talking about... <laughs> We're talking about the wire, the, the big wire that connects the sound to the front of the stage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I think we, he got over it because we, we enjoyed our time with Brother Lunsford. Hallelujah. But that could scare a Presbyterian just flat to death, couldn't it? Amen. And he was. 
Amen. Well, we don't handle snakes, and that's not what this verse is talking about. And it is stupid. People die. We watched a documentary recently where somebody died handling snakes. That's stupid. It's not, it's not God. It's not, you know, folks, that's just, God's not weird. Amen. He's normal. He, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, he does do unusual things, but that's not it. So uh, <clears throat> it means uh, to put away, to raise the voice. To, and it's talking about us having authority over two realms. It's talking, this is a spiritual authority over the spiritual realm. We're, we have authority over, the Bible calls him, that old serpent, the devil. We have a, that's, so it's talking about that we have, a, we, we, uh, we have authority over the devil, but it's also talking about we have authority over the animal kingdom. You don't have to let the dog bite you. You don't have to let the snake bite you. Amen. And then he goes on to say if you accidentally, well, I, I put accidentally. I put that in when I pray it. If they shall lay hands on, let's see, they shall take up serpent if they drink any deadly thing. This is if you accidentally drink any deadly thing. Don't go out there and drink something poisonous and say, oh, this is an act of my faith. No, that's an act of stupidity. It is. But, you know, we accidentally think, you can accidentally drink something that's deadly. And especially, they, did, we, they didn't have pure water supply. Well, we've had, we have that threat in our day. And there are, and see, there again, we have dominion over the animal kingdom and over the plant kingdom. There isn't anything they could pollute our water with that, because that, we have dominion. Amen? And so we can, we can uh, be free from fear and don't have to worry about that. Hallelujah. Now, uh, so you use your, let's see, let me see where I'm at. Two things the Holy Spirit wanted me to cover this morning. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, yesterday when I was preparing this, I, I keep wanting to get to some other part, but the Holy Spirit keeps bringing me back to talk about some things. I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4 because this is one of the things the Holy Spirit brought up in my heart yesterday morning. He said, I want you to talk about this because the church needs to get this right because it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of not accidentally eating or drinking any poisonous thing. And, 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 and perishing or being sick even because of it. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good. Say that with me. Every creature, every creature of God is good. And, and I'll read this part. And nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and, and prayer. And so um, this is a part of our believer's authority and has to do with what we do with food that is set before us. Now, he said there that there, in the last days people would depart from the faith and give heed to doctrines of demons. And he said one of the doctrines of demons, this should give us a little hint, is, command, is, uh, uh, is telling people, to forbidding people to marry. Anytime some church or something is forbidding people to marry, that's a doctrine of a demon. But then he said also commanding to abstain from meats. And it's not just talking about what we eat, although it is, but it's talking about any time you find people trying to bring you back under the Old Testament law. That's a doctrine of demons. 
because we're not we don't have to keep the Old Testament law. We keep one law, and that's the law of love. And we know if we walk in love that many of the things that are in the Old Testament, especially the Ten Commandments, we will be keeping them because we're walking in love. Because you can't lie and walk in love. Because you're hurting somebody if you lie. Amen? And so all of those. But he's talking about that it's a doctrine of demon. It's a false doctrine when somebody says... Now, there's, there's Christians all over the United States saying don't eat pork. That God didn't do away with that law. But they have to throw this verse out because it says all creatures, every creature is good and is to be received. When we moved to Alabama, now we didn't eat a lot of pork. I mean, we ate ham and bacon and stuff, but you know, we weren't into the... But we moved to Alabama, Pastor Webb said, so good and so good for you. That's what, that's what he told us about pork. So good and so good for you. He also said that about sweet tea. Then he went on Adkins and said he had to change that. <laughs> it wasn't so good and so good for you anymore, hallelujah. But anyway, it is so good. It's a half-truth. It is so good. Amen? Anybody agree that it's so good? Oh, it's good. Woo, I tell you. They know how to make tea in the South. You ought to take a trip to West Texas. They make the most horrible tea. And I didn't know it while I lived there, but Texas makes horrible tea. And I didn't know it while I lived there, but when I got here and drank tea here, I go home and I go, this is junk. This is pitiful. This is horrible. Part of it is because they have not good water where we came from. You can't make good tea without, with bad water. And they have bad water full of minerals and so forth. Not bad like in poison, but bad in tasting bad. And so uh, that was all free. Anyway... <laughs> Well, no, there's no charge for that little extra revelation. You might can use it if you go on Jeopardy. Yeah. How many of you watching the guy that's won 17 times or something? No, okay, y'all, y'all are just so holy. Uh, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you ever go on Jeopardy, you might need that little bit of information. Just keep that in your process of thought there. Praise God. Uh, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified now by the word of God and prayer. Now, of course, we're to be thankful. He talks about that there. But the emphasis is not on let's give thanks. And see, we've changed praying over our food into a ritual of giving thanks. Lord, we thank you for our food. And of course, we are thankful. Lord, we bless the hands that have prepared it. Y'all ever bless the hands that prepared it? Don't raise your hand. That's fine. You want to bless hands that prepared it? Nothing wrong with that, but just don't miss what's important in this verse. And what the importance of this verse is, is the last part where we says it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. What you're doing when you pray over your food or what you should be doing is you are taking authority, your believer's authority, and you are taking the word of God and your authority and you are sanctifying that. That food and that food by your faith and by your authority and by your faith in the word of God becomes clean even if it wasn't clean and no matter what they did to it when they were cooking or no matter what could be hidden in it you know I don't care if it has mad cow disease I don't care. I don't know if that's even dangerous to humans. I don't know. But I don't care if it's got E. coli in it. I don't care. And, of course, we, that doesn't mean we just are ignorant and don't use safety precautions and things like that. I think we ought to, you know, cleanliness to me is next to godliness. It should have been in the Bible. It wasn't. That was just the one thing that got left out that should have been in there, and it's true. Cleanliness is next to godliness. But, you know, um, now everybody sees it that way. 
I know my mom went to the Philippines and she had trouble eating because she said their cleanliness practices just aren't the same as us. You know, they would lay a fish out there and leave it out there three hours and then come back and cook it, you know. And, and we're just trained different than that in America. But, uh, but hallelujah, you have authority. And you're not even to refuse it. You're to, you're to, you're to use your faith when you're in foreign countries. And, and especially when you're there as a missionary, you're to use your faith. And you're to eat what's put before you. You're not to be a lot of trouble. Hallelujah. But you have authority. Amen. And so you sanctify it. You set it apart. You declare it clean. You declare it holy. There's more to praying over your food than, oh, Lord, bless this food. Amen. And besides all that, he's not the one that's going to sanctify. You can't ask, Lord, you sanctify. He's not the one. He gave you the authority. You sanctify it. You call it clean. You declare it to be holy. You, you, hallelujah. And then if they, you know, Colin worked it out back, they drop it on the floor, they pick it up and use it most of the time. I mean, don't they? No. They, has it ever happened? No, it has too. <laughs> Nobody's ever dropped anything on the floor in a restaurant and picked it up and used it. Huh? Yes, okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Actually, they've said that it's gruesome back there. Not, we're not speaking about any one particular restaurant. But hallelujah, all you have to do is go to the restroom and you can figure out the kitchen's not any better. That's the truth. I mean, that's scary, isn't it? But we have a believer's authority. We don't have to walk in fear. Amen. We have authority. Amen. The Lord will me cover that this morning. So you take the authority. Quit asking God to do what's your job to do. You take the authority. You speak the truth over it. You speak life into it. Amen. Praise God. See, we've gotten off on the wrong things. I mean, we've got it. We've speaking to We're saying, thank you, Lord. It nourishes our body and things that it's going to do. It's going to do that whether you say it or not. But, but, but you do have authority over that, that, uh, that kingdom. Okay. Hallelujah. Matthew 18, 18. I need a yes man in this place. I need, when I ask them a question, them to say yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 18, 18. Thank you, Lord. And I'm not saying that people don't try places to be clean. I'm not saying that. But you know, family, there are people that are sneezing. There are people that are... And I know... Now, I don't even have to have a third party to answer this. We go in fast food restaurants. And you know, while they're going to walk over here and get their food, they're... <laughs> you know, and I'm just looking at Pastor going, Oh, and he says, don't even think about it. Don't even go there. Don't even think about it. Don't just, you know, it hurts your faith. Don't even go there. Don't even think about it. But sometimes you just want to think, you know, you just wonder how people was raised. But they're not thinking. They're, they're there. You know, they're there running that cash register, running that fast food, and their minds are four million miles away. They're not thinking about your food. They're not thinking about how they look and what they're doing. But they, do y'all not see that? Oh, hallelujah, glory to God. But we, I have to use my faith to ignore that. Hallelujah. But we have authority. Two things to hold. Oh, Mark, Matthew 18, 18. Matthew 18. Are you there? Hallelujah. We're winding up here. 
I think. <clears throat> Let's see. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Here we see a picture. We have Jesus telling us about our authority. And he's telling us it's not a matter of what heaven wants. It's a matter of what you want. It's what you do. It's not what heaven does. See, we're wanting heaven to take care of everything. But he said if you'll bind it, heaven will bind it. Heaven will back you up. If uh, the, the, the Amplified says if whatever you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. See, we allow things in our lives that we should never allow. Hallelujah. Uh, whatever you forbid, one version says, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And so we have the authority. God has given that to us. Um, it's very important when you're using your believer authority, uh, it's very important how you say and how you pray. It's very important that you say in the name of Jesus and you don't ask God to do it. Don't ask God. To, God can, God, and so we have to be attentive in, in our prayers. We have to be saying, now how do I pray this? How do I pray this right? Um, I want to talk to you also about it's important where you focus. The mountain that's in front of you wants to intimidate you. The mountain wants to intimidate you. And so after I've spoken to the mountain, what do I do with myself? One of what you do with yourself is don't focus on the mountain. After you speak at the mountain, don't look at the mountain to see if it's obeying you and to see if it's moved. Don't look to see if anything's changed. Don't to look to see if anything is getting better. Keep speaking and acting in faith. Keep speaking and acting in faith. I want you to turn to Romans 4, verse 19. Hallelujah. <clears throat> now this is, <clears throat> it's easier to speak to the mountain. It's easier to speak to the mountain than it is to not observe the mountain. Because the mountain's doing everything to get our attention. In fact, sometimes you can speak to a symptom, it'll actually even get worse. And so it's easier to speak to it than it is to, to, to do this focus thing that God wants us to do. And he talks about it in Romans 4.19. It says in Romans 4.19, And being not weak in faith, he's talking about Abraham here, he considered not, say that with me, considered not, his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. It says he didn't even consider it. He didn't look at his dead body. He knew he was. He knew it was over. Not. I'm not talking about life. I'm talking about the ability to produce children. He already knew it was over. He had evidence in his body that it was over. Sarah had evidence in her body that it was over. It's too late. It's too late for this. But he did not even consider that. And you may have evidence in your body this morning of sickness. You may have evidence that that. Uh, that, that lines up with what something doctor has said about you. But that's not what we're supposed to be considering. That's not what you consider. Abraham did not consider that. In other words, he did not keep his eyes on the mountain. He didn't pay any attention to that. Now the Amplified Bible says he considered it. But the Amplified Bible's wrong in this instance. I like the Amplified, but it's wrong in this instant. Uh, uh, Romans 4.19, it says he considered it, but he didn't. Every other version says he didn't consider it. 
So if you've got an Amplified Bible, you need to mark that part out. It says, uh, he did not weaken in faith when he considered. But he didn't consider. He didn't consider it and then overcome it. I want to tell you something. It's harder to consider it and then not weaken in faith. If you consider it, you're going to weaken in faith. You have to not consider it. I want to read this to you from the message translation. I just looked up and saw I had a little time. So I want to read this because it's good. Romans 4, verse 19. It's hard to find things in the Message Bible. They don't number the verses. We call Abraham um, uh, father, but not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in Scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do, raise the dead to life with a word with a word which makes something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he was made a father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. And Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. And that's why it is said Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. So Abraham didn't focus on his own empathy. He didn't focus on the mountain. He didn't focus on what couldn't be. He just focused on what he, the Word of God, on what God had said. He focused on even what he was saying, and he didn't focus on what couldn't be. Turn to Galatians 6, verse 9. I'm winding down here, just giving you some little things about not looking at the mountain. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God's good. Galatians 6, 9. A lot of scriptures line up with don't look at the mountain. Galatians, Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You can't get weary when you're speaking to mountains. When you speak to mountains, don't get weary. You will reap. That mountain will move. Things will change. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 35. Hallelujah, God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> 1035. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul hath no pleasure in him. So uh, we have need of patience, not to cast away our confidence, to just keep on. You know, what he's saying here is when after you spoke to the mountain, you just keep on coming. You just keep on walking. You don't stop and wait and see if the mountain moves. No, you keep on walking in faith towards your destination. Don't draw back and wait and see what happens. You know, it's kind of like the Lord showed me like this. Any of you don't, might, might not want to admit it, but did any of you ever play chicken? 
Joe's the only one that paid chicken. We knew you did, Joe. We could we could have got that by without. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did anybody else ever play chicken? Nobody wants to admit it. Yeah, one person. It's one honest person in this place. Hallelujah. But, you know, it's like that with the devil. you got to play chicken with the devil. You keep on walking. You keep on coming to your destination, the thing that you're, and you don't stop. You don't stop. If you pray and believe that you receive and you speak to the mountain, but then you sit down and wait. I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to rest till I get better. That is the opposite of what they're talking about here. No, you just keep on coming. You spoke to the mountain. You have faith in what you said because you believe what you say will come to pass and you just keep on walking. See, you're playing chicken with the devil. I guarantee you he'll, he'll be the one that jumps. Any of you not know what chicken playing chicken's like? That's when you're coming at each other in a car. I don't recommend this. Don't do this. You're coming at each other in a car and which one's going to pull away first, right? Well, the devil's going to pull away first. He's going to pull away first if you'll keep on coming. Glory to God. Proverbs 4. Look with me. Not looking at the mountain. Not looking at it. Some of you have been looking at the mountain. You've been looking at the symptoms. Some of you have been checking your symptoms every day. Looking to see if you're healed. Looking at it. I know Brother Hagin told about one time praying for a sty on Pat's eye. Pat, his little girl. When Pat was a little girl. He prayed for a sty on her, her eye. The devil would say, look and see if it's there. And he, he just had to, by an act of his will, they were traveling somewhere, they were going in a car to a meeting, and by an act of his will, he refused to look at it. He wouldn't even look at it. He wouldn't even look at her. He had prayed, he had spoke to the mountain, he wouldn't look at it. Wouldn't look at her. You know, if you're going to be body conscious, you're not going to be able to walk by faith. So sometimes you just got, I prayed, I spoke, I'm not looking. Amen. I'm just keeping on coming. I'm keeping on walking through. He said he had to discipline himself though, and it is a discipline. I know I had this morning, I had spoken to some mountains, I had spoken to some symptoms. Boy, I tell you, my mind wanted to be there. You know, we're wanting to feel, to see, you know, we're even wanting to help it. Oh, you know, let's massage it. Maybe if we rub it, you know, it'll, you know, and we want to feel, feel, feel. Hallelujah. We got to get out of that realm. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, we, we want to we see. But that's not what, you know, we're not looking at the mountain. Now, when we are looking at something, we're keeping our eyes on Jesus. We're keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. Proverbs 4, verse 25. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Down to verse 27. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. So we're not supposed to be looking here side to side, looking around. Oh, is this working? Is this helping? I want to read to you Hebrews 12. I'm going to read from the Amplified. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is the key for some of you. Now, you've spoken to the mountain. You believe in your believer's authority. You have faith in it. But here's the key. You've been looking at it. You've been looking at the wrong thing. 
you need to disregard the mountain. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily and deftly and cleverly clings to and tangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Just keep on running, family. Looking away from all that will distract looking away from all that will distract to Jesus who is the leader and the source of our faith giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher bringing it to maturity and perfection he for the joy of obtaining the price that was set before him endured the cross despising and ignoring the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is telling us that when Jesus went to the cross, that's how he did it. He ignored it. How did he endure it? He ignored it. He ignored the shame. He ignored it. He put his, when he's hanging on that cross and when he was at Pilate's post, he put his mind on something else. He put his mind on the joy that was set before him we got to do what he did. Verse 3, Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. You have not yet struggled and fought agonizingly against sin, nor have you yet resisted or withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. And what's more, you won't ever have to because he did. Amen. We won't ever have to do that. Hallelujah. But Jesus put his eyes on something else. If Jesus had to, then we will have to, won't we, family? So keep your focus and your gaze on Jesus and keep on walking in your believer's authority. Let's stand up together this morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I believe with all my heart.